everybody, welcome back. Why Bitcoin Podcast. Joined here today with Frederick. I should have asked you how to pronounce this. Guimon. Is that That's correct? It. Right on, man. You're the first like English speaker to <laughs> pronounce it spot on. I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, I was. Uh, I grew up in Ottawa. You're in. Oh, do you want to dox where you're from or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, no, it's all keep... good. I'm in the capital, Quebec City. So in the okay. heart of the Francophone region of, of Canada. Right on. So a few years back, I mean, you would have been getting in fist fights at the bars over girls, but now we're friends because Bitcoin is your friend. So it's all good. Bitcoin has brought us together today. <laughs> Bitcoin brings lots of people together. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting. All right, man. So I uh, I put out a little tweet said, does anybody have anything interesting to talk about that they'd want to come on a podcast and talk about? And you reached out. So I figured, hey, let's have some fun. Let's see what we're about. Um I'd like to just start by asking you a really basic Bitcoiner question. Why why do you care about Bitcoin? What is it about Bitcoin that makes you say, hmm, this is something that matters? Oh, man, it's it's like money is at the root of our time. It's what we spend our time to to earn a living. It's what keeps it's what gives us freedom. And like I've spent my whole life living as an artist pretty much and in extreme poverty and it's only since i've discovered bitcoin that i've been able to save accumulate and have a little bit of freedom and it's only ever since i've gotten bitcoin that i've stopped having like anxiety attacks around money and such so it's changed my life in such a positive way that it's something that i can't shut up about you know what you know what i mean it's like it changed it changed my life. It's it's such an impactful thing that it's almost hard to bring it up as a topic of conversation because you're so passionate about something that you tend to freak people out about it. You're like, this is so awesome. You have to hear about it. It's like, no, man, chill out, chill out. It's just no, this it impacts people's lives. Oh, dude, that's a great answer, Ked, and I didn't know that aspect of it. So let's dive into it a little bit, because that was a major factor for me, too, just um, being in the fiat world, working all day, every day, not saving, not understanding why saving was important. And, uh, you know, you try and save a little bit. Is that where you were at? And you specifically said you'd have anxiety attacks just just from not having money in general or not understanding how, what was it that stressed you out about money the most? Yeah, well, see, I... I had this dream of becoming a comic book artist since I was a little kid and it's almost impossible to do. Like it it takes so much time to draw stuff. And when you're an unknown to be able to work at, at something like that and hold a job, it's almost impossible to do. I had to put the whole comic book dream aside for a while and went into programming, web programming to be able to make a living. But even then, like I was just scraping by, like I remember like a downtime at work, where I was just like, man, if I had like two months worth of money just to take a break, just to be able to stop the grind for a while and just be with myself and just get a little time off, you know, to 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 get away from the grind. And I, I never was able to put even as much as hard as I tried, like as much as I would strap and, you know, try to save up, it, it never added up. And uh, weirdly enough, it's when I was fired from that job that a friend of mine hit me up and said, hey, you should buy like a hundred bucks of Bitcoin, right? He had like a coupon code for Coinbase where he would get like $10 back if I bought a hundred dollars worth. And I was like, oh, okay, you're kind of annoying, but whatever. You know, I heard about this Bitcoin thing. I thought about getting into it. I had a friend who bought some stuff off uh, off the dark web with it a few years back and it was $300. And now it was what? early 17, it was at a thousand dollars. And I was like, Whoa, like I thought $300 was high, but like it, it passed the thousand dollar mark. It's like, Whoa, this thing is not stopping. So I was like, okay, I'll just buy a hundred dollars worth. And then that got me curious. You know, I, I, I didn't have the whole hardware wallet set up yet. And I was just starting to learn about it. And then I bought a book. I bought the book, uh, understanding Bitcoin. And then I had a little programmer background so i was able to understand like the principles of cryptography and not the like i didn't grok the whole space about it but i was understanding why it worked and then i got curious and then 
it became much more of a deep dive and I got into it more and more and it just, it didn't stop. It just seemed like uh, a sort of weird miracle, both in the finance space, as well as the computer space. This came out of nowhere. So who is Satoshi Nakamoto? Nobody knows. It sounds like a comic book story, right? This guy out of nowhere, no one who knows who he is. He drops this program on, on open source software, and now it's changing the world. Like, how cool is that? Oh, dude, yeah, it is cool. I, I like that you relate it to like a comic book story. Absolutely, man. It, Satoshi's story is insane. Just the whole thing. You know, we all try and figure out what, the, how did he get away with just dropping this thing? It, it is such a mystery. I think it always will be. And it'll, it'll be a story that's tried to be, it'll, people will try and research and figure it out for many years to come. I think I want to, I want to ask you more about your programming then what, what were you programming like uh, what what languages or because you said you just kind of did it as a job to get by but i mean that's not you got to be a pretty smart dude to be a fucking programmer what what kind of stuff were you programming well i was lucky enough when i was a kid my dad got a, a computer job because he, he was in the army we moved to petawawa i was an army brat and um, one of his friends told him yeah you should buy like a commodore 64 and uh he my dad brought this into the family one day and I was like, whoa, what is this? You know? And I was, I, I started to play around with it, trying to draw with it, but it was like just basic entry. And then my dad like coded this first program, like 10, like input your name. What is your name? And then 10 at 20, like print hello dollar name. Right. So it was the first time I was interacting with a computer. I was like, hey, what's your name? My name is Fred. And they, hello, Fred. It was like, whoa, this computer knows my name. It's just like, it, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And uh, my dad showed me the book because the, the Commodore came with a whole book giving you like samples of programming. So I just went through the whole book and started programming different stuff. And uh, I learned to, I got out of the boring text interface and then started peeking and poking on the Commodore, which gives you sprites. And I was able to change the different characters. And I, I built the first kind of proto SimCity where you could like build roads and drop buildings and have cars randomly drive around. So I started playing around with it, not thinking this could be a job or th this could be something that would uh, develop eventually. But uh, Commodore 64 had its limits and eventually broke down. And then I moved to the drawing table and then learn to draw and focus more on art. And then I went to art school and it, it was only when like I hit the, I hit the wall with the art portion that I was like, okay, well let's go back to school. So I went back and I got a, an intensive diploma. It was like a year and a half. Uh, it was uh, networking. So computer networking, basically you'd set up uh, Linux uh, virtual machines and then you'd program different routers and switches and uh, email systems and everything you need to get a system up and running. And it wasn't exactly something I was enamored with, but I sort of gravitated to the front end aspect. So I, was, I learned to write in JavaScript and CSS and then started interacting with the web portion, making things visually again. So I was still creating things visually, but this time I was using CSS and JavaScript. And that was the doorway to get me a job that you know, finally I was able to, to earn a living and, and not be out in the street or not, you know, get impoverished or, you know, rack up incredible debt and such, you know. So that's what got me working as a front-end developer for the first time. Very cool, man. Okay, you're kind of, you're dating yourself a little bit. I can kind of tell how old you are given you were messing around with the Commodore 64. So yeah. one thing that I, that, uh, I like to think about uh, when it comes to Bitcoin is just relating it to when the internet first came out. And now I was pretty young when the internet first came out, so I don't really remember. I'm a millennial age, thir young thirties. And so do you remember when, and, and do you see any similarities between uh, Bitcoin coming out and the internet coming out? Do you remember when the internet first started getting rolling and what that was like, were you intrigued by it at all? What were your feelings? Did you see that it was going to change everything? And then can you relate that to how you look at Bitcoin now? 
Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I wanted to get a modem. Like I was trying to get my dad to get a modem for the Commodore 64. And thankfully he didn't. It's probably a good thing. I might be in jail today <laughs> if I gotten too quick on those BBSs. But uh, it took a while. We eventually like uh, upgraded to a Windows machine and it started logging in to the web and just searching everything I wanted to look at every web page and find out like we we'd never had access to that much information before so it was a huge trip and i just i guess i had a kind of a gatekeeper mentality a little bit i kind of liked when it was when you had to have a, a sort of barrier of entry it it, it sort of had uh, an effect of having people who had a drive and a curiosity and a determination in there and I think that's kind of where we are in Bitcoin right now. I think Bitcoin is still, a li it, it hasn't reached the what you see is what you get phase. Like it's, or it's starting to, you know, you can now get a wallet on your phone and start exchanging sats, but people still don't grok the concept really quickly yet. So we're kind of before the phase where it's going to start to just, roll in with the whole population we're kind of at that space where it's still the hardcore geeks that are in it it's still the you know toxic maximalists that kind of are the voice of the space and it hasn't been co-opted by mainstream yet mainstream still even though we've got the etf that was just accepted it seems that mainstream is still on the verge of having it this be this shadowy coder kind of um uh what do you say, label that it would put on it so i think that's where we are with bitcoin right now yeah man i i i'd completely agree with that see one of the thought like one of the things i think about a lot when it comes to bitcoin is just the idea that like you said the internet it came out and it was insane and you could look up anything you wanted this crazy tool that could teach you that you could learn anything in the world and you had access to information that no human ever had before. And now you look at the average internet user and what they use it for, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's not to uh, benefit themselves. It's to numb themselves from whatever stresses there's going on in their life. Nobody's, I shouldn't say nobody. The, I feel like the majority of people are using the internet, not as a tool to improve their lives, but more so to just remove themselves from the stress that is their life, which is sad. And so I wonder if Bitcoin will go through some sort of same adoption curve where the people like us that are using it now seeing, oh, this is an amazing tool that you can use to, to save your fucking money. You know, it, it's that simple that w once it gets to the greater public, they won't really understand how beneficial it is to hold your own money. And I wonder if that will lead towards, this is what I was talking about uh, to somebody last week on the show, is that will that lead towards people just giving up their rights to their Bitcoin anyways? Because they gave up, like people handed over the internet tool just out of pure laziness. So do you think that the greater public should should Bitcoin ever reach mass adoption? Will people just be more motivated to use custodial wallets and or buy Bitcoin ETFs? What, what, what are your thoughts on just humanity at large when it comes to Bitcoin reaching like the masses? That's a good question. It's one I go back and forth with. Like I, I was having this conversation with my Bitcoiner friend just this week again. It's a big question because people are ready to give away their privacy, like on Facebook, on uh, all the social medias. You ask people, it's like, well, this will track you. This will do this. Uh, you'll, you're giving away all your ideas. People don't care. They're like, I don't care. I just want to be able to, you know, scroll through Instagram, uh, talk to my friends. So I think there's always going to be that portion of people like that and is bitcoin going to be adopted by everybody i don't know man i want to know the answer to that as much as as you because the one of the reasons that that i saw a use for bitcoin was there was a point in my life where my bank account was frozen by the government and i woke up one day and 
like I had a few thousand dollars in a bank account that I couldn't access. And I was like, what? What's going on? Like the government just picked up the phone and froze my bank account. I don't have access to it. So that was a pain point that I experienced at some point. And when I discovered Bitcoin years later, that was one of the things that really turned me on about it. I was like, wait a minute, you're saying that no one has control over this? Like no government entity, no, no agency can come in and take it over? I can, like, whatever happens to my fiat account, my other resources, I'll always be able to hold and control whatever Bitcoin is in my wallet. And that was a big, you know, aha moment for me. So is this something that's going to spread through everybody and everyone's just going to be using Bitcoin all the time? Or is it going to be like a financial resources that only people who do the research and wake up about it or realize the advantage and it's only going to be like millionaires and billionaires and just people who actually do research about saving that are going to see the value and go into it uh it might be one or the other it's hard to say because the work they've done with lightning the 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 work that people are doing bringing sats into gaming and zapping on 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 social media uh it's already there accessible so it might just need just a spark that it's going to light the fire in the world to, to spread bitcoin or it might be something that people just never wake up to and are just like yeah no i'm not interested about it i just want to go back to my uh instagram or watch my cat videos you know so i still on the fence i don't have the answer to that question and i'm watching every day to see clues of which way it's going to go Oh yeah, man. I know it's a, it's a tricky one to figure out. It'll be interesting to see what happens as time goes on when more and more people come in. I th- I think that's a critical point that you said though, when, when you personally as an individual have a moment with a banking institution that suddenly your money isn't yours anymore, or you can't control it, that really wakes you up. So the question will be, is that, is that going to happen on a mass scale or not. Like for me, I also realized (laughs) that if you save in fiat at all, it's getting inflated away. And so not only can they stop your bank account, they can also just make the money in your bank account worthless, which is why that's the other reason I like saving in Bitcoin. I did want to ask, I wanted to go back to where you said you were always stressed about trying to save money, couldn't save money really. And would give you anxiety and and these sort of things. How did Bitcoin help with that in the sense that was there an, like an amount of sats you had saved up, or even if you denominated in fiat that you had saved up that you're like, Oh, I can breathe now. Or is it just the fact that you're able to save up? Because I'm trying to figure that out too, man. I mean, I never had money. I never had savings. I don't know that there's a number that I'll ever get to that I'll be like, oh, okay, now life is easy. It's like life doesn't get easy because you have more access to more money or, sorry, that's my myself answering my own question. Um, yeah. How, how do you, how do you see that? Well, I got in at the best possible time. So I think it was March, 2017. And it was a friend of mine that was nagging me to get like a percentage off of Coinbase and so I got my first $100. And at March 2017, I don't know if you remember, but this was the start of the bull run. So this is like getting on a wave that's just starting. Like it was just serendipity in the sense of the perfect timing. And I was on, on unemployment. So I had just the minimum amount to pay rent, have a little bit of food. And then so I would scratch whatever was left and buy a little bit of Bitcoin. And I was even back then Coinbase would limit uh, the amount of credit you would have. Like I was only about allowed to buy $200 per month or something. And so when I hit that limit, I would have to wait like two days. So after two days, I could buy another $10. So I would just be maxing that $10 every two days because I would see the amount that I would save go up. So the $100 that I had put in was now $110. I'm like, whoa, okay, interesting. And 
it's it's not that I had a superpower of saving suddenly. It's just that Bitcoin, it's not something you could spend easily. So once you you spend it and you transfer it, uh, it's there. Like it, it it takes conscious effort to to bring it out. You can't just like spend it uh, at a store uh, with a card. So it, it's like a savings account. So that's what kept me from spending it. And the fact that it was just going up. And that's just that's because I got in at the right moment in the um, in the four year cycle, and it just kept going and going and going. And when it reached four thousand dollars, I was like, "Whoa! Like my investment has forexed." And I was telling my friends about it, and people were like, "What are you doing? What's going on?" And throughout the whole year, it kept getting crazier and crazier. And I was telling my dad about it and he was impressed. It was like, whoa, what is this? You know, careful, but you know, you seem to know what you're doing and he's doing a lot of research, checking the tech, you know, making sure because the first thing people, the first reaction people have when, when you're getting excited about making profits is like, wait, is this a scam? Right. And which is a total sensible question to ask. Like, is, is this uh is this a money-making scheme? Is this uh, some? Is this a rug pull? And it's a total legit question. The, I think the mistake people make is jumping to the conclusion that it is a scam. Now, asking the question is good, but do the research. If you do the research, you realize, okay, this is decentralized. No one owns this. This is a you know uh, buying and selling a market, pretty much like the stock market despite being its own animal in a sense. And the more research I did, the more I understood like, okay, this is not a rug pull. This isn't a scam. This is something that has legs. Uh, being from the software background, programmer background, I couldn't understand the open source nature of it. Uh, having the pain point in with the bank made me see the value of it. And then getting in at, at the right time and seeing the, like I was on unemployment and I was making, I was saving more money than I had in my entire life. You're not, that's not supposed to happen, right? This is a total fluke. So I was amazed. I was like, in, I was just awed by it. So I did a complete deep dive into it. Uh, I was telling my friends about it, getting people around me uh, to, to get into it. And um, ever since then, it's just been like all in, right? Uh <laughs> I sort of lose sight of the question you asked, but I think th those are the three <laughs> things that that kind of led me to to be all in, like the fact that pain point, understanding a little bit of the technology behind it, and getting in at the right time that I could get the fiat gains from the from the increase of the of the bull run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that euphoria of a bull market is uh, a lot of fun. I came in similar sort of time, but I was in the end of 2020. So the bull market had already taken off, but it was still kind of really starting to ramp up. And I remember the, it's almost like a panic. You feel like, Oh my God, everything's changing right now. Everybody's got to get in. You guys are missing it. This is crazy. Do you remember? So back in 2017, then I don't know what kind of access to, to research and articles and videos you had. Did you, consider the idea that it would crash down again you must have seen it go up to whatever it hit 17 18k and then i don't know what the low was in the bear of uh 2017 i guess it went back down to 3k which <laughs> you're still yes. winning i, I suppose yeah. at that point but how did that affect your mood your idea about it were you not sure or had your research already told you like hey this is something that happens and just go in where, where were you at when uh, the crash happened Wow. Uh, when the, cr so it, it, it was a whole year, right? It takes one year for it to crash down to 3000. Um, cause it, it went from one to 20. So that was just like, uh, incredible. And then the, the fees were, I, it, it went to 20 at Christmas day, 2017. I still remember it. I got in a treasure for Christmas and, uh, yeah, the crash was, it's like a knot in your stomach. You're like, okay, how low is this going to go? And 
I still believed it because we had access to a lot of information back then. Uh, there were hardware wallets. There was lots of information. There was, um, I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Antonio and. Antonopoulos. Andreas Antonopoulos. Thank you. Andreas, Andreas Antonopoulos. I'm yeah. sorry, I butchered your name. The dude went to the government of Canada and gave a two hour speech explaining in detail how it was. I watched the entire thing. The, he broke down every aspect of it the philosophy, the workings, the. So I had gained trust that it was something that was going to be there for the long run. That doesn't stop the knot in your stomach from forming. You still are like squirming to see your savings shrink back down. It feels like, a, and I was still buying at that time. So instead of seeing your $100 that you put in grow to $110, you are seeing, okay, the, the $100 I put in last week is now $90, right? So it's shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. So I was picturing it like, like a spring that's getting compressed and compressed and compressed. So you have to have a little bit of faith, right? You understand the technology. You can look back at the different times that we went through a cycle because in 2017, it wasn't the first cycle. I think it was the third epoch. So, and I was teaching other people about it as well. And once we hit the bottom, that was the, I was working in the Canadian finance uh, department as well. Uh, and there was other people that were into it and we were all buying. So we were looking forward to the next bull run. So yeah, you have to have nerves of steel. It's, it's like a roller coaster. You have to be able to stomach it. And I think a lot of people, that's, that's the hard thing. And since I had never ever saved any money before, even though my savings were shrinking, I still had savings, right? I was still in a better place than I was before Bitcoin. So that's that was always the positive aspect to it, despite the difficulty of seeing the whole your whole savings shrink. It was I had savings, period. That was awesome already right there. And when the next cycle started, then it was like you can't buy the stuff quick enough. You can't like I would just, I couldn't wait for my paycheck to go through, right? I, I was working for the finance department, but through a contractor and they would hold the money for one month. And I was like, what are you guys doing? Get this, you got to free up this money because Bitcoin's going up, man. I got to, uh, that was early 20, that was early 2020, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, 2018 That's was awesome, the crash. Man. 2019. That was early 2019. Yeah. That's right. Right. Yeah, 2019. It started climbing up again. Yeah. Man, it's good times. It's just funny being a Bitcoiner. Like we don't like to talk about the price that often, but it's just, it's the emotions you feel during these cycles of insanity. That it's just you see the people around you, and you're trying to explain what's going on, and all of a sudden you're a genius, and then all of a sudden you're a moron. You know, I've been. Yeah. Yeah. All, called all the things oh you're so smart oh you're so lucky oh you're a dumbass you know it's just like Haha, you lose it's like okay well you'll see what happens next it's fine time, time goes on and time will tell bitcoin will do its thing fiat will just keep debasing itself and we'll just sit here saving i think th i think what you said dude that resonates so much with me is that even though your savings was not as high as it once was it's still bitcoin made saving money fun as as like ridiculous as that sounds like to me like and, you said, when, when, yeah. No, no, I was just going to Go add ahead. another thing that, that there's a whole technological aspect to it because in 2018, despite the fact that we were going down, that was the time when the forks were happening. And I had gotten my, my Bitcoin out of Coinbase right in time to get some Bitcoin cash. And then I started forking, like there was Bitcoin pizza, Bitcoin diamond, Bitcoin burger, all these made up stuff that people were cloning Bitcoin and giving you money for it. And I was opening up my laptop, getting my keys after having moved the coin out of the wallet. And I could just split the keys and start to sell off all those different forks and bring it back into Bitcoin. That was so unreal it, it felt like a superpower right it's like magical you're like 
I'm copying my money and then selling it to Chinese exchanges and then getting real Bitcoin back and adding it to the stack again. Like you can't compare that to anything. Like you can't do that with stocks. You can't, you can't get that kind of dividend anywhere. It was just absolutely insane. And you had to like open up the terminal, putting a command to, to send it off. And then you just get Bitcoin back. Like how insane is that? That's <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy time. I, I wonder if we'll see um, history repeat itself with the ETFs if they try and make some ETF forks or whatever the hell they're going to do. It'll be <laughs> uh, interesting to see what happens if all of a sudden these forks come back, man, especially with everybody freaking out about fees and everything else. It's like history is just completely repa- replaying itself. You think people have learned their lessons, but they haven't. I want, I want to ask you this then because you seem very similar to um, my story uh, sort of so you didn't have any savings before bitcoin i'm gonna assume you probably didn't have any investments or look into any stocks or anything like that and so after bitcoin you know you try and i should ask this as a question instead of explaining um (laughs) do, do you see any value in putting your money saved towards any other investments in any way, whether it be gold or stocks or um, real estate, any other form of of saving money? Or do you just stick to Bitcoin and then that's it, even though you never did any of the other stuff anyways? And then, yeah. yeah. I had bought an ounce of gold before I discovered Bitcoin. And I had kept it for about a year. And there was like fee, the fees on buying gold is like insane. I think it was a, I bought it at 800 and sold it at about 1200, but there was like $200 fees buying it and $200 fees selling it. So I broke even despite having like theoretical $400 of gains. So I was always curious on how to make money. Like I wasn't, I wasn't careless about it. Like I, I was reading a lot of books, rich dad, poor dad, uh, different stuff. I wanted to invest stuff, but I didn't even know where to start. Where do you go to buy stocks? And can you buy stocks with 25 bucks? Can you buy a stock with a hundred bucks? Probably not. And it, it, it's such a high bar to get into. I didn't even know where to start. And ever since discovering Bitcoin, no, I don't have any, any desire to go back to gold i don't have any desire to go back to any other thing because bitcoin is first of all it's i understand it it's it's the best form of money like i can spend it on the internet i can spend it directly i don't need to transfer it back whenever i want to spend it and it's the most secure so like i have no desire to to buy stock first of all the gains on stock is just microscopic and even when you have high gains, those charts are in dollars. If you switch back the chart and look what the gains are in gold, it's almost a flat line. So stocks are just basically matching up with the, the inflation. You don't really get any gains. If you compare the gains of Bitcoin, it is the best investment out there. So, you know, just to quote Michael Saylor, right? There's no second best. Why would you take out your money to make less money somewhere else in a less secure form of something that you don't control that can be seized. It's like, it's a no brainer. I know it's so funny, man. It feels like such a cheat code. Like all these do, I, I, sometimes I just laugh thinking about people that have spent years of their life studying how to invest. And, you know, I think of Preston Pichelot, um, if you've listened to his show, I'm sure you have, where he does value investing and these people spend so much time trying to figure things out. And then us Bitcoiners just sit here like, I'll just save in Bitcoin and that'll be fine. And you're right. You know, you measure anything else against the inflation rate of the dollar or the debasement of the dollar. They're just breaking even anyways. It's just so crazy. Okay. So let, let, <laughs> let's uh, roll on to, you've been a Bitcoiner for a little while and then you wanted to be a, comic book artist how did you put two and two together when did the idea come how did that spark 
ignite in you and uh how's the progress going so far explain right so so being a comic book artist is something that i was it was my dream when i was like 16 years old right i i i was working insane hours in my parents basement learning how to draw reading american comics and I was even accepted at the Joe Kubert School of Cartoon and Graphic Arts. So I was set to become a comic book artist. Uh, something happened where I was working too hard. I got tendonitis trying to match the output of the prose. And it, became to a, it came to a point where the more I drew, the more it hurt. And it was bringing me physical pain trying to do what I love the most. And that was kind of a crisis point. So that's one of the reasons on top of it being hard to earn a living in the art space that's another reason why i went to computer programming and so i had put that to the side for for many years and it was only recently when i was going into an old com to a comic book shop and saw a james bond comic and i was like oh i like james bond i'll pick that up and i was reading through it and it was just filled with this woke stuff, right? It's just like, oh my God, this is not James Bond. This is like, wh what happened, right? And it's the kind of the space we're in right now where there's this culture war of this ideology that's infesting all the corporate comics because the, the whole DC comics is bought by Warner and you got Marvel that's owned by Disney and they're all under the DEI thing where you can't just write stories that you enjoy and that sparks creativity in your readers, you have to meet these quotas and these check boxes of diversity, equity, inclusion. So I was just seeing a space of, oh my God, like comics are just are, are gone to shit right now. And seeing that, and there's this rise at the same time of independent artists creating their own stuff. And there's this YouTuber called Razorfist that put a name to it, called it the Iron Age, right? Because we now have the tools to make our own comic book company, right? There's nothing stopping you from creating and distributing your own comics through the web. And so people are just grabbing the tools and making their own stories, bypassing the whole woke stuff and the whole corporate garbage that's being spewed out right now. And it, it coincided with one of my Bitcoin friends asking me, saying, hey, do you want, my, my girlfriend's throwing out her her, her uh, drawing table. Do you want it? I was like, yeah, man, that'd be cool. Like, I don't, I just have a small artboard at home. I haven't had a drawing table in years. So he comes in, brings it my to my apartment, install the drawing table. I'm like, well, you know, I got, I got to start drawing now, right? I got to use the table. And I started sketching out the character and ideas started to flow. And I saw there's this Iron Age Media started this magazine called Anvil Magazine, which is, you know, a space for writers and comic artists to, to tell their own stories free of this message. Uh, and I was like, oh, man, I'd, I'd love to be published in one of them. So I just started writing a story. And these ideas came and naturally the first thing, the only thing that's on my mind is Bitcoin, right? So I'm like, why don't we have a superhero that instead of Batman, who has a, you know, Batman is old school. He has a corporation that he inherited from his dad, Wayne Enterprises, which is this huge corporate thing. But my character is a character that was mining Bitcoin. And then he got into a, a bad luck and was arrested and got, went to jail uh, on wrongful charges. And he's in jail for like 10 years, but he got, before he was arrested, you had the, uh, I think it was a bit 32 or bit 39. Basically the, the seed phrases came out and he was able to create a wallet with a seed phrase and commit it to memory. So the guy has this fortune inside his head that he's memorized all this time that he's in jail. And then eventually he's freed and he has this desire to go out and get justice in the world. And ex instead of having a, a corporation that's known to everyone he just has this wallet that no one knows about and he has this huge fortune that he can spend now on crime fighting and i was like okay well this is going to be my story this is going to be the basis of my story he's a bitcoiner and he has you know the the whole mentality of bitcoiners the long time preference the uh, 
the you know the 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 whole let's eat meat and let's you know like stand up for our rights and let's you know chase freedom and try to fight the system and question authority and all that so that's that's how it came about oh my god dude i didn't know you were writing a comic book about me that's that's (laughs) that's my story no that that's amazing dude i I've actually thought of that. That's so funny that you say that. I, I've thought about that a lot, especially, are you are you familiar with um, Ross Ulbricht's story? Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Like Silk Road. this poor guy sitting, yeah, this poor dude sitting in jail for hopefully not forever. If they, if they can do what they want, he's going to be in jail forever, but I hope he's sitting on a fat stack of uh, sats somewhere and one day we get him out. It's so long as Bitcoin keeps proliferating, I think more and more people will say, hey, this guy can't be in jail anywhere. This is ridiculous. And when he comes out, he'll be able to, to do some great things. That's the funny thing. It's like it, it all comes back to saving and then saving in Bitcoin. If you can just sit on it for long enough, you'll be able to do great things. What a, what a cool idea of your character. I, I really like that idea. So is it going to be a series is it going to be a one-off one-off comic book what would it what are your grand uh what are your grand plans so i'm building uh, i'm writing it to be a series so obviously this is going to depend on how much people uh, adopt it and if it if it takes off right uh, but i'm writing it to be a continuous series uh, like the marvel comics you'd see in the 90s that's the comic books i fell in love with uh, you know, it's got a flair, like kind of a mix between the Punisher, where he has this, you know, desire for vengeance and uh, builds his own tools in, in his and has a couple of helpers around him. And so I'm starting with a 24 page floppy comic. So I wrote the script. Uh, I just finished drawing page one today. So it's just starting out. Uh, it's probably going to see the light of date this summer. So I'm writing, uh, drawing, inking, and coloring it myself, uh, editing it myself as well. I'm going to use a little bit of crowdfunding to try to dampen the cost of the printer, but I'm going to be like distributing it through the website, through different crowdfunding websites, and through Bitcoin events as well. So. Bitcoin meetups here in Quebec, Montreal, and if I travel throughout Canada or the United States, I'll be bringing copies and selling them in person as well, because uh, it's cheaper in person than, than paying through uh, uh, the shipping costs, especially when it's coming from Canada. Uh, but that's the idea. So right now, I've, I have ideas for multiple comics to go in the future. So this would be an ongoing series. Uh, that's pretty much the, the way I see it. That's so cool. Cool, dude. Okay. A couple questions. Question number one, that's right at the top front of my brain. Can you give me a little blurb or a preview of who his first nemesis is and what his, <laughs> what his uh, character is about the bad guy in the story? Yes. So Have the you... big evil bad guy I had in mind, like a sort of kingpin character in Daredevil, right? And I was kind of influenced, but by the time when I was writing this, there was the whole Sam Bankman fraud thing happening with FTX. So I'm calling the baddie Bankman because it's 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 cool. It sounds like sounds like a superhero villain name, and it just represents fiat to the extreme. So he's basically this this guy that's sitting like on top of a bank corporation, and he has. And he has all these evil henchmen working for him. And he's the one that's going to be the big baddie in the story. And he has evil henchmen. So the first henchman he'll uh, go against, because in the story, uh, the big baddie, Bankman, he has this Russian psychic spy that he has captured and she escapes. And the psychic spy is actually a threat to our character in a way because can you imagine if you have your whole Bitcoin fortune in a seed phrase in your head? What happens is if a psychic spy can read your your thoughts, is she going to be able to get your seed and take all of your Bitcoin? So that's one of the threats uh, in the story. 
And so the big bad guy has sends a couple of henchmen. I call them the tiger twins. They're like Asian martial artists that have tiger tattoos and they finish each other's sentences. And one's called Omoto and the other's Otomo. And uh, they're trying to get back this psychic spy, but our hero comes in and uh, saves her just in the nick of time. Dude, that's so sick. I'm sold. I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be purchasing one. Is it going to be okay? So, are you planning on doing a physical release? Are you going to have it available just to if I can go to a website and read it digitally online? Will you have all the pages posted online, or is it going to be strictly a physical item you have to purchase? Yeah, so it's definitely physical comics. So I'm go- I'm going to start by making floppies. So just traditional floppies that like you would see for like Spider-Man comic books. Right. And um, I might, I know there's a market for PDFs, especially like if you want to save on on shipping costs. So I might sell it as a PDF, but I'm not going to give it away for free. I believe that when you put value into something uh, you should ask for value back. Right. So I might have like uh, a handful of pages to sample for people to get an idea of okay what the artwork looks like so they can know what they're buying beforehand but i won't be giving the story away for free um, you'll have to order it and uh, either pdf or the floppy and so the english market is going to get the floppies and i also have people in quebec who want the french version so i'll probably wait for like three floppies to be done and then i'll do like a hardcover french version that is more um conducive to the the european market right hardcover a little bigger uh that's what we're used to uh here in quebec and in in europe very cool man so i don't think you said have you had any experience i know you always wanted to be a comic book creator have you had any experience creating one and selling it on the on the market yet or will this be your first actual project you've done i did adapt a screenplay a long time ago from uh, an independent uh, writer who wanted to make a film so uh, much like uh, he was inspired by the crow who started out as a comic and became a movie and he approached me with a screenplay and i drew three issues of his stuff and i was searching for it uh last year to you know reminisce about it but i can't see anymore i think he took down the website um it was called candy apple black and the company was called the good intentions paving company and that's work i did in 2001 and i did three issues of his stuff so that was the only like published stuff that i did although i do have a short i do have a short eight page comic that is coming out in anvil magazine uh in february so it's unreal i called it ratel ancestors which is kind of the ancestors of the story that i was telling you about but it's like 300 years in the past so it has nothing to do with bitcoin uh in that in that short story very cool man yeah good on you then for um just deciding to create something that you've always wanted to do. I'm glad that Bitcoin gave you the uh, little kick in the ass you needed to make something. <laughs> That's been a lifelong dream, man. That's fucking badass. I mean, you should be extremely proud of yourself. I'm excited to to see the the final result of what you put together here. Um, is there Thanks, anybody? Man. Yeah, dude. So there's. I've had a few other authors on the show before. I'm not sure if you're familiar with. Um, Bitcoin for kiddos. And also they did a book called 99 signs. You might be a Bitcoin maximalist. No, uh, I haven't heard about them yet. Uh. Okay. So, so they make little fun, um, little fun books. One of them's a kid's book. One of them's, it's sort of like a comic book. You might want to reach out just, uh, you guys have similar interests. It would be cool to, to see what you do, do together. And then Tomer also put together a book called why Bitcoin not not related to this podcast we just <laughs> had the same name but uh yeah he made a, a coffee table book that you know it, it kind of it's not a comic book but it's not like a novel and it's not a textbook it's more of just like articles and pictures so similar like in the same realm of what you're doing is there anybody that you'd be interested to 
meet with or is there any projects in the space that really interest you that you've seen uh, come out of the Bitcoin ecosystem as it were that you said, oh yeah, this is a cool project. I, I like oh, what these yeah. guys are doing. Is there anything yeah. that comes to mind? Yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, there's an incredible artist called Maddox who works with Bull Bitcoin and I asked him for permission to have one of his artworks in the back of the comic and he has graciously said yes. So um, we'll be going forward with that um, if nothing changes. And there's also the project called, uh, there's a BTC cards. So there's Bitcoin cards, trading cards. And I mean, cards and comics go together so well. Like I, I, I would love to work with those guys and make cards of the comic book characters and stuff like that. So that's a project I would love to uh, collaborate with for sure. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I forgot about the cards. I've been I've been iffy on those. I've seen them going around around the space and uh my little <laughs> what's the word? Cheap ass. I'm like, I'm not buying nothing that isn't just sats. I'm not buying any of this. Um but but they are it is a cool little project. And as far as Madex go, yeah, absolutely one of my favorite Bitcoiners out there. I I got to meet him a few weeks back at a oh, at an event, cool. which was pretty sweet. And yeah, he he has been on the show. So if listeners, if you want to hear about Madex, go back and check out that episode. I'll put a link to which episode it was. I can't remember. But yeah, that dude's fucking awesome. Bull Bitcoin in general, everybody that's part of that outfit is a fucking oh, badass. Sure. Like, so shout absolutely. out to the Bull Bitcoin guys. Uh, one of my friends works for them. A lot of, like in Quebec, we have uh, Bitcoin meetups and there's a handful of Bull Bitcoin peeps over here and it, it's a delight to meet with them talk with them and uh, uh, they they are they've been very uh, encouraging of the project i've been telling them about the progress and the ideas and they've all been on board and been sharing the images on twitter and all that so a big shout out to uh, bull bitcoin hell yeah man um okay i need to oh i want to ask have you looked into i guess this is a little bit down the line for you but as far as purchases go are you looking into finding ways for people to buy your comic book with bitcoin have you have you done that research to figure out how to make that happen yet or are you just going to go through the regular payment options where where do you stand on payment yeah I, I actually uh, some of the some of the people at bull bitcoin have offered to set up the uh shop for me so we'll definitely have the comic available for bitcoin like i how could i not right <laughs> how can you not have a bitcoin comic available for bitcoin purchases so uh, it's it's not set up yet obviously because the comic will be coming like probably this summer but uh i'll be working closely with them uh to uh, set up a shop that you'll be able to order straight from sats uh, for sure that's awesome, dude. Right on. Uh, okay. I don't want to ask this next question, but I feel I'd be d doing a disservice to the show if I didn't. You're an artist. What are your thoughts on NFTs? Oh, uh, fuck them. <laughs> fuck NFTs. Uh, yeah, why? Why? Tell me why. Um. And my, my like, like shit coins, my opinion has just to be transparent, my opinion has changed over the years, right? Like there was a point that I was considering Ethereum. I had bought some for about a month or something before I sold it off again. Um, Andreas had a book, Understanding Ethereum. I was looking into, okay, is this a technology that's interesting? Uh, is there a way to maybe copyright your images using the blockchain? So, you know, the, the, the ideas I consider and I weighed them and for a while I thought it might be a viable thing. But the more I looked at it, the more it makes zero sense. Uh, you, all you're getting is a hash that's pointing to an image that's on another server. Or if even worse, if you can compress the image and put it on the blockchain, what a waste of space. Like Bitcoin is there for money. It's there to preserve your wealth. Who wants who wants to clog up that system with with high fees and and slow down the reason for it to exist? Right. I see NFTs. I see ordinals as an attack on Bitcoin, and I the, the sooner we get rid of them, the better. So 
that's my take on it today. But uh, yeah, the, my ideas <laughs> have evolved over time. No, that's fair, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, we all go through our phases of trying to figure out what what this thing is for and how it works. Yeah, for me, it just comes back down to like, what is ownership? You can't own anything. You, you can own your sats, but you can only do so so long as a uh, psychic <laughs> psychic wizard can't read your mind, right? Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Dude, that's cool shit. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm excited. Is there anything else uh, you'd like to chat about that I didn't ask? Anything else on your mind, Bitcoin related or not, that you don't want to share uh, with anybody listening? Um, just that we have to change the culture, right? Like one of the reasons that I made the comic book is I found it harder and harder to turn people on to Bitcoin. Uh, it seems that in the early days, you could sell the idea because it was new to people. But now it, everyone seems to have their mind made up already. And instead of trying to convince people with you know arguments and facts, I figured let's, let's just seduce them with culture. Let's make stories for kids, for teenagers that will show them what it's about, right? Like, you know how Star Trek has like the captain's log, Stardate, blah, 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 blah. Well, in the comic book, it's all block height. All the time entries in the comic is block height. The character is a total toxic maximalist with the Bitcoin headspace. So you are going into a comic book story, yes, but you're going to learn what it what it's like to be inside the head of a Bitcoiner. And I think that we need more people who not everybody can program, right? Not everyone can build lightning technology, uh, build uh, work on the code and the blockchain. We need some people to be writing books, building culture, making shows and podcasts. And that's part of building as well. So that's why I, I'm doing this thing is to be part of the conversation and uh, we need as many people to contribute their ideas and their thoughts to this ongoing conversation about Bitcoin. Dude, what an interesting thought. And here I am. I think about Bitcoin all day, every day and wondering about the next cycle, what it's going to be like, but you just, yeah, you hit on a really important point there in that most people. And I think anybody that's tried to orange pill lately is aware that, Everybody knows that Bitcoin exists now. And you're absolutely right. Like most people have made up their mind. A few years ago, you could still say like, oh, have you heard about Bitcoin? And you'd get a lot of, oh, no's. I don't know what that is. What? Some digital, what? I've never heard of this. But now, especially since uh, 2020, everybody is at least aware of it. And most people, like you said, have made up their mind. So what an interesting idea to change the narrative of it being some evil thing that they've made up their mind about and just exposing them to it in a different way. I really appreciate that. That's a, a really good way to look at it. Hopefully, hopefully we, we wake up a few more people to the glory that is Bitcoin, man. Good on you. Uh, right on. Okay. Right on, man. Good show. Appreciate your yeah. time. <laughs> Frederick again. Uh, oh, let people know uh, where to find you on Twitter, what the website is, any other links or wherever you want to send them to. Uh, yeah, that's right. important. So the, the, <laughs> the website. Book, so the website is just an email sign up for the time being. I'll be building it uh, uh, as I build on the comic uh, from here to the summertime. It's Rattel Comic. So Rattel is the French word for honey badger. And if you're wondering how to spell it or whatever, you can also go to a foreword I have. So type in imakecomics.com and it'll take you there. As far as Twitter, my handle is character creator without the last vowels. Uh, so that's hard to explain on a podcast, but character with the, without the last E and creator without the last O. And um, that'll take you to my uh, Twitter. Uh, and you'll, my name is Frederic Guimont. You'll see it uh, on Twitter there. Interact with me. I'm sharing some of the progress of the book. And I've also got a Noster that I'm setting up, but it's not active yet. So I'll be working on that uh, in the months to come. And everything's going to be on Retail Comic, the website. So tune in there if you want to see more. Right on. I'll have links to all that shit. If you're listening, go to the description. I'll have all the links there for ease, ease of access. 
Uh, Frederick, man, keep keep working, keep creating. It's fucking badass what you're doing. Anybody listening, if you have a project you're working on that you want to share, feel free to reach out, come on the show. This is one of the coolest projects I've heard about. I'm happy to be here on the ground floor. I'm, I'm so curious to see what happens next with uh, with your comic book, man. It's going to be fucking sweet. Uh, anybody listening? What else do I say at the end of the show? Hey, if uh, you're listening and you like the show, consider sharing it with a friend. That's the best way to help us out. You can just share it, retweet, do all that good shit. Um, if you're not listening on Fountain, you should be. If you don't know what Fountain is, it's a podcasting platform that you can earn sats while you listen. You can stream sats to your favorite podcasts, even this one too, if you really want to. You can send boostograms or you send sats with a comment. Uh, really good shit. So check us out there. And as always, oh, uh, what else do I say? I guess that's it. As always, if ever, oh, I guess follow me on Twitter. If you're not doing that yet, I'm at Sly Goomba. Uh, okay. If all as on end of the show, remember to buy as much Bitcoin as you can before the end of the world. Until next time. Peace.